Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Kelsey Tamburino. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission may begin 2024 with only three of its five commissioner seats filled, in part because of the looming government shutdown. But people in FERC world aren't all that concerned, according to Politico's Catherine Morehouse, and some actually say they'd like to see the agency stay at three. That's because the commission still faces an ambitious portfolio of issues. And in recent years, FERC has been increasingly dragged into congressional politics while also dealing with the two-to-two split. So today, Kat breaks down how a government shutdown could reshape FERC, why it might be a good thing, and what a three-person commission could actually accomplish. It's Tuesday, September 26th. So if the government shuts down, the impact on FERC is kind of indirect. From a funding standpoint, FERC would be fine. But from a personnel standpoint, what it really does is just it leaves less time on the calendar for the Senate to push through a pair of nominees, one to fill former chairman Richard Glick's seat, and he left at the end of last year, and then also to reconfirm Commissioner James Danley, a Republican who briefly served as chair under Trump, or to name a Republican replacement. And even without the government shutdown, there is still just limited time on the calendar. We haven't even seen a name put forward from the Democrats or the Republicans. And there have been maybe three or four names floated over the last year to fill Glick's seat, but nothing has actually been said publicly. And it's kind of a process for that seat to get filled. The president needs to put forward the names. They need to clear the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee and then face a full vote in the full Senate. And the Senate has a lot of other priorities right now, but FERC doesn't necessarily top that list. Yeah, and having three commissioners would come after internal conflicts have kind of erupted in recent years. And FERC has been part of political crossfire that listeners are probably familiar with. But just remind us what's been going on at the commission and the sort of uncertainty it's faced. Sure. So I'll give a a very brief history of the kind of last two years or so at FERC. Glick faced a split commission back in 2021, and under that commission, they deadlocked on some pretty critical issues, which just injected a lot of uncertainty into the regulatory process. And we know everyone hates regulatory uncertainty. And then a third Democrat, Willie Phillips, joined the commission at the end of 2021. And under this 3-2 commission, there was kind of a mixed bag of, you know, some wins for the commission and some kind of political really political hurdles. On the kind of positive side, FERC started some really ambitious proceedings on transmission policy that are still seen as really critical to bringing on new clean energy. But the commission also faced a ton of backfire from the Senate, including from Senator Manchin, for its efforts to weigh climate change and pipeline impacts on low-income communities and communities of color when they're thinking about whether to approve a pipeline or other natural gas infrastructure. So overall, the politics around all of that kind of became too much and Glick was not reconfirmed last year. So now we're back to this 2-2 commission. Under this iteration, things have been fairly smooth. 
For example, the commission approved a major transmission rule in July, which was a really big deal for bringing new clean energy online quickly. But pipelines do continue to be a sticking point, particularly between Commissioner James Danley, whose term ended in June, and Democratic Commissioner Allison Clements. So you do really still see kind of the remnants of the old politics coming into play still here a bit. But even with all of that in the backdrop, you talk to sources who aren't really that concerned, it seems, about having three commissioners and actually think it could be a good thing for FERC. Why is that? So what I am increasingly hearing is that five is always the preferred number, but three is at least better than four because it just eliminates any risk of a deadlock. And this commission has not publicly deadlocked on any issues, to be clear, but there have been clear disagreements, like I talked about most recently, over there were six pipeline projects that the commission had to scratch off its agenda in July. They approved four of those projects at the last meeting, but notably Clements and Danley had effectively opposite votes, which is just further evidence that there is some real friction between those two and how they view the commission's role in regulating the nation's energy infrastructure. So I think the general thought there is that with a Phillips, Clements, and Commissioner Mark Christie commission, there's just overall less drama and less friction and perhaps even more progress on some of the big ticket items like transmission reform. So let's talk a little bit about what a three-person FERC can accomplish here and what's on its agenda. You noted in your story that FERC is tasked with addressing an expanding portfolio of issues. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, there aren't any real limits to what a three-person commission can accomplish. Again, five is the more ideal number just because you have a few more heads at the table, but actually the size of the staff, which does a lot of the heavy lifting, doesn't change all that much when you lose a commissioner or two. So you can still really get some of these big things done. And one of the biggest things people remain focused on is transmission. FERC has a proposal in front of it that would for instance, dictate how regions think about planning long-term for transmission, including taking new planned renewables into account, which is a really big deal with the Inflation Reduction Act and all of the anticipated wind and solar projects coming online. The question of who pays for power lines is still a really big deal. And the commission has also looked into grid-enhancing technologies, which essentially increase the capacity of existing power lines. So that could be a really big deal as well. And then there are also a ton of questions out there that the commission has kind of floated and started to build a record on about market rules and how how markets can better prepare for the shifting power mix. There are questions about sharing power between regions. There are these always kind of present physical and cybersecurity threats against the grid. And there's we're also seeing a ton of extreme weather events fueled by climate change, and that's creating kind of an unprecedented reliability problems across the country. So it's a huge portfolio of issues. And I, again, think there's agreement that five is the ideal, but I was frankly surprised to hear how optimistic people are about a three-person commission's ability to tackle some of these huge industry-wide issues. Also, electric vehicles totaled 9.1% of auto sales nationwide in the second quarter, up nearly 38% from the same period in 2022. That's according to new data released on Monday by the Alliance for Automotive Innovation. The trade group also found that over the first six months of the year, EV market share rose 2.6 percentage points compared to the first half of 2022, while sales of internal combustion engine vehicles fell by 4.1 percentage points. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Kelsey Tamburino, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is working to responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.